1: News Headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmead.
0: Welcome to the Brian Kilmead Show. How is everyone? Hope you uh, all had a wonderful, marvelous weekend. I did. A good weekend. But boy, one of the reasons I had a good weekend, so I'm out to dinner with my husband and, and some friends. And I was waiting for the Twitter dump to come on Friday night. I'm like, why is he doing it on Friday night at five o'clock? Right? Like why, why? Uh, but so Friday night, five o'clock, we're out to dinner. And when it started to come across, I just looked at everyone. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm now out. <laughs> I'm on my phone trying to read it, but what an annoying format to put it in. Right. Oh, what an annoying format. Uh, just, just, so you know, later this hour, about half an hour, we'll be joined by John Levine from uh, the New York post. And we're going to uh, delve into a lot of this, a lot more with him. So, um I'm sure you've heard if you have not heard uh Elon Musk gave um a bunch of correspondence internal emails and correspondence to um blogger Matt Taibbi. Now um he is he's a journalist. He um has he's worked on a bunch of different things. I believe he used to work for Rolling Stone. Uh so so he's he's a a, a journalist. He's good. And and so he got all this stuff. And Elon Musk admitted, like, I didn't really even read this stuff. I don't even really know what's in it. Um, But I gave it to him to distill down and put out there what's in here. They're calling it the Twitter files. And this is about the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story on Twitter. Now, we also know it happened on Facebook and and on other social media. but, uh, But this is specifically regarding Twitter because Elon Musk said, listen, you know, people should know. He's about free speech, and he thought, well, people should know what happened to suppress their free speech because an election was swayed an election because of this. And we know that because polls came out afterwards and said, "Hey, if you had known about the Hunter Biden laptop story, would you have voted for Joe Biden?" And it was something it was upwards of I want to say eleven, twelve percent of people who said, who cast their vote for Joe Biden said, "No, I would not have voted for him." So, um, they, they interfered in an election. So Hunter, so Elon Musk, God bless him, said, Hey, I'm going to release this stuff. Let the chips fall where they may. And I'm cool with that. I think that's what we need to do. You know, I, I think we need to, um, let's, let's have some transparency And if people on the right are doing things wrong, they need to be brought to justice. If people on the left are doing things wrong, they need to be brought to justice. And maybe we'll have a little bit more of this left-right and a little bit more of, yay, America, and let's do what's right for America. And one of those things that we need is preserving free speech. So uh, the format was phenomenally annoying, in my humble opinion. Um, What Matt Matt did is he just put these out in a series of tweets, one after that. and, And then you're down to, like, tweet 43, and you're like... Why can't you just put this in a report that I can read? Why do I have to do this? And then you have to read some of the responses, and it just becomes a huge black hole, a rabbit hole, and it, it's just horrible to get through. So, okay, let's start with Elon Musk. We're going to go into more, obviously, as as we go through this, um, and especially when John joins us in half an hour, we'll go into more of the details. So let's just take a, an overview before we speak to John so um, let's start with Elon Musk and um, talking about uh, he he did a Twitter this thing called a Twitter space over the weekend and he sat there it was supposed to I think be for 30 minutes he did this for two hours and just took questions from Twitter users you could go into like this this room it's a virtual room and there were thousands of people in this virtual room. And had I known about it, I probably would have tried to do it just to watch and listen to it. And people could ask him questions and he would just answer them. It was very, to me, it was very reminiscent of Donald Trump, where Donald Trump would just sit there and let the media ask him questions. Just Just go ahead, ask me what you want to ask me, and off they would go. So it reminded me very much of that, but he wound up doing this for two hours. Uh, here's Elon Musk. Let's do, delve into that a little bit. Here's Elon Musk talking about the double standard that he saw on Twitter.
2: It appears to have been a double standard where, um, where Democrats were not censored and, and, and left causes were not censored, but right, right causes and, and Republicans were. Um, and, it was, and I think this is frankly obvious to anyone who uses Twitter without any ex- expose of Twitter files. It's the behavior you'd expect from a company that is essentially a distillation of San Francisco politics.
0: Yeah, so, so for those of you who thought there was a double standard uh, against Republicans, well, shockingly, there there was, according to Elon Musk. Now, you know, I am going to say this here. You know, Elon Musk is South African, um, and um, his mother was a uh, mother was a Canadian citizen. And Elon got Canadian citizenship through his mother. He came to the U.S. as a student from Canada then. Um, and he um, he decided to go for American citizenship. And um, that's one of the things that I find that people who come to this country and do it legally, I think they really value what this country is about and it that's one of the things that i see here and elon musk really demonstrates this recent immigrants who come here legally value the freedom of speech so much because a lot of times where they come from they don't have that freedom of speech that is so important and and i see and i think that thank god for elon musk being A citizen, a a chosen citizen, chose to come here, chose to take the oath of citizenship, believes in what this country stands for. And I think as generations get further away from their personal immigration story, the less they value what America is. And I think that's why Elon Musk did what he did. He was just like, yeah, I'm putting it out there. We need transparency. We need to, the, people should know what's happening. If there's, a, if there's a lack of free speech or a double standard when it comes to free speech, that's wrong. So those are the people you start to see scream the loudest about things like this. And Americans whose families have been here for, you know, four or five generations, those kids don't care as much because they don't know their immigration story. You know, I my grandparents came here and uh you know ahead of nazi germany they saw it was coming and, and they came to this country and i so vividly remember my grandparents telling me why they came to this country and how lucky we were to be born into such a great country and i think that sticks with you but as that immigration story becomes more and more distant the next generations don't i just don't think they appreciate it as much okay That's just me. That to me is the pretext. It is like the background on which this whole thing is set. Uh, Here's more from Elon on the Twitter spaces with um, the idea of election interference here.
2: If Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference. And what the hell else would you? Of course, it's like. Yes, um, you know that. Frankly, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd.
0: How many people? You know, when I when I heard all this, and and I was consuming all this this weekend, I have to tell you, I felt so vindicated because we've all been dismissed as conspiracy theorists, and oh, you know, you're whining, you're a baby, you know. You, We were just so dismissed when we would talk about this, having tweets censored. And I got thrown off of Facebook before the 2020 election for action for thank thank you, Fox. It's Fox's fault. I posted a Fox News story about uh, voting And and it was literally it was just a story about how to vote in my state. And. I got booted off Facebook and and I tried to appeal it and they said no. So I was booted off until after the election. They were using anything they possibly could. And I guess when they saw a Fox News story, they said, oh, right wing. And they, they booted me off. I was off Facebook until after the election. It was like three days after the election and then I was allowed back on. So the censorship was real, but I felt like I was it was the absolute definition of gaslighting with people telling you that you're crazy, you know, no, there's no bias, no, none of that's happening. Well, Elon Musk is sitting here saying, yeah, there was, and he went so far to say that the DNC, is, uh, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee, and that it was election interference. So I'm listen, watching people on Twitter on the left say, oh, there was nothing there, there was nothing there. There's no implications, no proof that they weren't, that the government did anything. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think maybe there was a little bit more proof than they want to allow. All right. More of this coming up. There's a lot to get to. There's a lot to unpack here. And I'm going to try to get it all done for you because this is such a fascinating. This is a huge moment in American history because we're finding out that one party was able to censor the other party and in Elon Musk's words, interfere in a, in a national election. All right, I've got more coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and
1: share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin.
2: It's Brian Kilmead. I mean, the, the idea here is simply to complain on everything that has happened in the past in order to have a, you know, build public trust for the future. I think there will be more smoking guns because the obvious next question is, well, what happened after the election? That's probably the right thing for episode two um, is what happened after the election.
0: That was Elon Musk on his in his Twitter spaces on over the weekend where he answered questions for two hours Uh, from, from people who are on Twitter and wanted to ask him questions about the Twitter files that, uh, were dumped over the weekend. And I, again, I didn't, I didn't understand why he did that. You know, why do it over the weekend on a Friday? That's when, that's when like the government puts out news they don't want anyone to see. And, uh, I would clearly the story is not dying. Although. You would never even know there was a story if you watch CNN or MSNBC or ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, MP- NPR, if you listen to them. I will say there was one show on CNN I saw, I think it was Michael Smirconish, yes, on CNN, and he was actually doing the story because I was watching CNN and MSNBC on Saturday to see if they would cover it. He covered it, and then at the end of the show, he was just like, "Wait, I'm getting all these tweets from people who are mad at me for talking about this." He's like, "No, I, I'm going to talk. We need to talk about this. You know, we we this is this is something that needs to be brought to light." And I, after that though, I did not see, and I might have missed it, but um, I when I did turn on other channels to see what people were leading their newscasts with and what they were talking about. Uh, This was not the story. (laughs) This was not the story at all. Uh, Speaking of that, Elon Musk talked about that on the Twitter spaces this weekend.
2: I think uh, those people should be looking in the mirror and wondering why they were deceptive. Uh, Why did they deceive the American public? And, and instead of trying to redirect blame to Matthew, they seem to be accepting some responsibility themselves for not being truthful to the, the American public.
0: OK, so that was in response to a, a question uh, about the media's response or lack thereof to this. And a lot of the media went after Matt Tybee. They went after him and to try to discredit him because that's what they do. You know, the rules for radicals with Alinsky, Saul Alinsky, was if you don't like the message, you discredit the messenger in order to discredit the message. But what came out was they all got, they all did what they do, what they usually do. And it was the same Message from all of them is if it just got passed around on whatever, you know, WhatsApp or whatever secret messaging service they all use, and they they just had the same message. All they just went after to smear Matt Taibbi, right? Uh, you know, and they they all went after the the one common thing, and it was like. You, you, you trashed your career in order to go work for the richest man in the world, because, you know, if, if he's the richest man in the world, he must be terrible. He must be a horrible person, you know, because these people are doing God's work. So they work for free, you know, making money is evil to the left until you make money. And then it's totally cool because it's cool for you. It's just wrong for everybody else. So they're going after him for working for the richest man in the world. Like that's something he should be ashamed of doing. He's shining a spotlight on something that we need to know. Incredible corruption. Collusion between the government and, and media outlets whether they're social media or otherwise. Look, we know the FBI leaks to the New York Times and the Washington Post whenever they want something out there. They did that with the Russian collusion in order to get the story into the newspaper. So they have open channels to these people. But getting, using them to censor a, Americans' First Amendment rights, that's a violation. I was watching Jonathan Turley. That's a, that's a big violation of the First Amendment. The government's not allowed to do that. This could this this story is not going away. Let's quickly go to Jeff listening in Orlando on WDBO. Jeff, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to to, to talk about how some of these um, big tech companies filter, you know, out, uh, you know, comments or content or whatever. From their, you know, from being posted publicly, and I don't know who it was. It was during a set of committee uh, committee meeting. I think it was last year or something like that. It was maybe Andrew Yang, but he said <clears throat> that if uh, if you post good things, you'll get good searches. And uh, so I don't know. I think it was kind of misleading from um, from uh, Elon to say that it was acting as, as the arm of the Democrat par- Democratic Party. If you are posting unverified stuff. It needs to be regulated and it you know or bogus stuff it needs to be re- regulated i 'm an independent so i don 't care if you're on the left or the right, but if you're posting bad stuff, it should be suppressed
0: who decides what's bad Wait, who de- who decides what's bad stuff
4: well that's that's the thing it's for these pu- these private companies it's going to be him uh, for publicly traded companies it's going to be the public if, if it causes an uproar or it affects their bottom line then but- Here's the, the thing.
0: Here's the thing. The we know that the FBI met privately with Twitter to warn them that th- this this Russian disinformation was coming and that it was hacked material. But the FBI had yeah, the laptop for a good. year and knew it wasn't hacked, and they knew well, that it was it, real.
4: Well, that that's, that brings up a whole other point. Uh, if if you have if you have some t- technical device, some device, right, and someone breaks in um to the uh into that device you know some backdoor methodology from what i understand happened over in virginia wherever the, the laptop was was uh was um first revealed No, at that point in time that's hacked material you can't just start sharing it but i think the point that they were trying to say with the federal government stepping in was there was some so- sort of like nude pics of uh, hunter biden or something like that which is crazy but um but that they were not wanting to have released uh,
0: so right, so so, so don't put the pictures out there, but the pictures were already out there. But the point is, is that the FBI, the government, lied and said, "Oh, there's a, a hack and a hack and leak coming," but yet they they don't have a problem publishing hacked information of Donald Trumps or of the right stuff that's leaked to them, and no one is ever punished, and that's okay, and those things get published. So I don't like the idea of censoring anything. I don't care if something's false. Put it out there. I don't care. I think you have to leave it up to people to decide what they want to believe and what they don't want to believe. And I don't want a ministry of disinformation that's going to sit here and decide what we can consume. That's not what free speech is about. You're allowed to listen to an idiot go off. You're allowed to listen to like a Jim Jones or or whomever, whatever, you know, go off on something if that's your choice. All right. We've got more. With John Levine coming up from the New York Post, we're going to delve into this a lot more. And I think that's a great question to ask him about, you know, leaked material and hacked material and why that's taboo. That's
1: next. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
0: i'm mary walter sitting in for brian kilmeade today joining us now john levine new york post writer i'm sure you've seen a lot of of his pieces you can find him on twitter at LevineDonathan. john thanks for joining me appreciate it
5: thank you for having me mary
0: there's nothing to talk about this morning so I'm not quite sure why you're here. Slow news day. <laughs> Slow news day. So we we just came off of a phone call with a guy who said, "Well, you know, if it's hacked material, you shouldn't be allowed to to put that out there." You know, so if if Twitter believed what the FBI said that this was hacked material, you shouldn't they shouldn't be posting it. You shouldn't be posting, you know, things that are false. Let me ask you about the rules regarding hacked material because it seems as if during the Trump administration there were tons of leaked uh, that were published very freely in, right. in the media. What are the rules regarding that?
5: Well, I look, you should take whoever that guest was and just drop him into an active volcano. Well, because that's a, the most ridiculous so thing I've ever heard in my life. And let me tell you, as you said, during the Trump administration, it was leak after leak after leak. Can I ask you a question? New York Times publishes Trump's tax returns. Where did that come from? You think Trump walked into the Times building and handed them his tax returns? You – what? Someone clearly with access to them leaked them to the Times. They were they were probably stolen. You can't you can't just leak people's tax returns. That's a crime. Um, right. That was that was certainly criminal activity. Uh, you, you and even in, I would draw your attention to the the Matt Taibbi text messages on Friday, uh, the Twitter thread from Matt Taibbi on Friday, where you see the email from Congressman Rokana where he says hacked material is legitimate in journalism and. And what matters is, is the material true or not? And the reporter is not at fault. And journalism is not a publish- it's not a publisher, are they? So why are they setting the rules for what we can and can't publish? The law says very clearly that you are allowed to publish hacked material, even though this was not hacked material. And it's not for Twitter to tell news organizations, "Well you can't publish hacked material. <laughs> they should stay in their lane.
0: I just find that the outrage from the left, like suddenly the left has a, a series of morals, like they have a, a set of morals, like suddenly they found morals all of a sudden. Right. Oh, this is terrible. This is outrageous. But when it's happening uh, to, to people on the right, then they're all for it. And, you know, they're they're very condescending, et, et cetera. Now. The, the laptop itself, for those who are saying, oh, well, it's copied. You know, they could put anything in it that they want. How do we know this is real? The FBI had that laptop for a year before they went to Twitter and told them, well, there's something coming out in October. It's a Russian hack and dump. Uh, so the FBI didn't have to break into that computer. They knew and they knew it was real, correct? Of course.
5: They, they, okay. they got it. They were they were spying on Rudy Giuliani separately because of his work for the Trump administration. And they had access to his cloud. So, a, you know, obviously a big part of the original how this laptop got out was the computer repair guy gave it over to Rudy Giuliani. At that point, the FBI would have known about it. And I'll remind you, the computer repair guy gave a copy of the laptop to the FBI long before it made it to the press. And – when when joe biden was vice president and his son was actually running all these schemes in foreign countries i find it very very difficult to believe that our intelligence agencies were just in the dark about what the son of the vice president was up to you know these are right. people that can do like a precision drone strike in waziristan but they can't they can't, uh, you know, know what our what our own leaders' children are, are running around doing.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of things that they don't know. It's amazing. Like who put who placed the bombs on January 5th? We still don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Um, you, you you said something interesting there, and I wrote it down. The FBI was spying on Rudy Giuliani. Do do we know that for a fact? Do we know that they were spying? Is that how they found out? Because I was going to ask, how did they know that this was going to be released? Well, we
5: know that they were. They did have access to his cloud. We it, it it's it's. They they would have, by having access to his cloud, have access to the hard drive. They would have been able to see that he had had that. That's and they how they the, could have gotten it. That's,
0: and they had that access legally? Yes. Okay, okay. So, so that's how they knew that it was coming. Now, um, one of the names that pops up in the Twitter files is James Baker, former FBI general counsel. James Baker seems to be in this. Um, it's amazing to me that James Baker was never – punished or held accountable at all for his role in the Russian hoax and Twitter was very anxious to bring him on board you would think that with the Russia hoax and everything else that this guy was involved in that he probably people probably would have stayed away from him but not Twitter so why would Twitter be so anxious to have him or so eager to have him on board
5: well I mean the the Russia hoax is a big deal Uh, you know, on this network and among your listeners. But it's not – it doesn't register the same way on the left, and they don't see it as a big deal. So he finished his term as general counsel for the FBI and then takes a cushy private sector gig at Twitter as general counsel. And then we see him pop up in the disclosures on Friday being a voice in favor of censoring the New York Post. And now we also know that before the 2020 election, the FBI was meeting with Twitter officials weekly – to warn them about Hunter Biden-related hacks. So it all just raises an enormous number of questions. And the disclosures we saw Friday were incredibly important, but ultimately they left a lot to be desired. And I was saying to someone the other day, this is just an amuse-bouche, but I want the whole cow. And the whole <laughs> cow, to me, is, is the FBI's involvement and, and what, who they were talking to and what requests they were asking for and what was granted to them. That we right. need to know.
0: It, but this is what I find so often. It's kind of like the dorm report. Like I, I know I'm a I'm a glass half empty kind of girl. Because then when things fizzle out, I'm like, yeah, see, told you. But if it's a if if things work out, I'm pleasantly surprised. And I think people have so much faith that there's there's this hope that springs eternal that these people who are wrongdoers who are in the government who are subverting our rights are going to be punished. And people like James Baker just seems to just keep going on and on and on, and he manages to cover his tracks every step of the way would when you say to find out you know the FBI's role would would i guess conversations between James Baker and whomever he was speaking to maybe in the government would be that cow that you talk about yeah. a golden cow <laughs> that you talk about in order to find out to really break this open who was involved we need names it's just an amorphous FBI yeah. at this point
5: oh that's part of it too but i think i don't know That it was James Baker. I think there was a man at Twitter named Yoel Roth. He was the head of site integrity. Yes, Um, He made a lot of headlines about 18 months ago when the Post broke a story about him having all these tweets talking about how much he hates Trump and Trump voters, how much disdain he has for them. He was having meetings with the FBI, not former FBI, not James Baker, actual current FBI. And in these meetings, they were telling him, look, there's going to be – a hack. It's going to be a foreign government. It's going to involve Hunter Biden. And then the second the the Hunter Biden story drops, all of a sudden, it's suspended for hacked material. So it's all just a little too convenient. And they use the same justification that the FBI was sort of spoon feeding them. I want to know the emails between Yoel Roth and his FBI handlers back and forth. And I want to know, like even – The emails that was that was released on Friday where you saw Team Biden flags the following tweets like this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And they say, "Okay, this has been handled. That was 10 days after Hunter Biden was published. You know that we we need I need to wind the clocks back two weeks before that or the day of publication. And and I want to see what was happening between the FBI and Twitter on that day.
0: But if these are the emails that they didn't dump, they didn't, you know, didn't erase, didn't get rid of, you have to imagine that those are some of the things that disappeared when they knew Elon Musk was taking over.
5: That's a very good question. Um, did, did Twitter take efforts to, to clean up their servers, to wipe things away? I, I mean, you'll never get access to the FBI side of the emails, but you could see them from the Twitter side. I don't know. That's a good yeah. question.
0: All right. Oh, look at that. I got a good question from a from a renowned reporter. Thank you. I uh, <laughs> coming up, I, w- I want to find out from you the takeaways, like your high points. What did you take away from this dump? Because a lot of people are saying that it was, as you said, there was it, there was a lot of smoke, but there really wasn't anything there to tie anyone in the government or the Biden campaign into this. So I want to find out from you what you did uh, think was a uh, big That came out in the Twitter files. All right. So we've got more with John Levine coming up here on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: The Brian Kilmeade Show, sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. More of The Brian Kilmeade Show coming up. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
0: I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. We're here with Jonathan Levine from the New York Post and just going over what was found in the Twitter files. And then you also have the Twitter space that Elon Musk conducted over the weekend at Well. It was a very, very busy weekend. And for those of us without a social life, that was perfect. Um, So, John, what did you take away from this? I want to know from you what you thought were the the most explosive parts of this or the most important parts of what was released uh, over the weekend.
5: I mean, I view a lot of this as just these are are primary source documents where before this, you and I might sit here and be like, yeah, those – those lefties at twitter they, they did this thing. They—they, they, you know, the, the, the bias. But we would—we would be speculating, very justified speculation, based on, say, the campaign donations of employees, or things like that. But now we actually sort of see the emails. We actually see we have names of who was involved. So we know that people like Jim Baker was directly involved in in the censorship, where previously you and I just would have had to speculate. And talk about, oh, that's coincidental that he happens to be the general counsel there. Um, We know know that Twitter's head of trust and safety, Vijaya Gade, was the prime mover in the censorship. She's probably going to face questions from Congress next year from people I've spoken to.
0: Speaking of Vijaya Gade, because I was going to ask you about her, what is her current position?
5: Her current position is unemployed, at least from Twitter. Uh, Musk fired her when he took over the company. She is on a number of boards and she also has, very interestingly, an unpaid post at – the name of the agency is the Cybersecurity Information – I can look it up right now. It's The She's acronym DHS, is CISA. Though, She's right? with it's, the Department of Homeland Security.
0: Exactly. That's what and, I was going for. I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting that she gets a cushy government job?
5: Yes, and it's, an, it's specifically to deal with misinformation. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. There you go. I read it. The, um, so she has a, an advisory post at that agency, and her whole job is to deal with misinformation and disinformation and protecting the public uh, marketplace of ideas from these things. It's very Orwellian stuff.
0: It, it, it really is. So was there anything else that you thought that, that came out of this that you think we're going to hear more of uh, or, or is gonna, is, was something that we didn't know?
5: Well, you know, the, the big thing is we just don't know what we don't know. And Musk says there's thousands of documents. Matt Taibbi said there's thousands of documents. He's given them to Barry Weiss, very credible, very talented yes. journalist, uh, former New York Times. She's left them in the dust now, and we have to. I, I, this is I know this is on you know what, if what Elon what I would like Elon Musk to do is just release all the documents in like a a PDF, ten thousand pages, yes. put it out, dump, and then we all can look at it. And we can all just read it and and bypass all the gatekeepers and just let people see what is and what isn't. That would would be the most transparent way to do this. It also would be the less – the least effective from a PR perspective. Um, I think it's very clear that Musk wants to drip this out over an extended period to generate hype on the platform and in the press. And I think he probably will be successful in both of these things. Um, but ultimately, when it's all said and done, I think we will be left with a much fuller picture of what happened and why Twitter decided to shut down the most important story of the 2020 election and keep the American people from seeing it and possibly sway the entire contest.
0: Well, that that's the thing here, is is—is the election interference. And, you know, Elon Musk said at the Twitter space that, you know, it, this is the very definition of election interference. And... You know, Donald Trump, of course, went ballistic, which I can't blame the man, but he he goes, he like, he's not that guy who takes a beat to think about it. You know, like they always tell you if you're angry, you write the letter or you write the email and then you let it sit for a day and then you go back and read it when you're a little bit less angry.
5: Yeah, Uh,
0: Trump does not do that. Trump definitely (laughs) is
5: not someone to sit and think. I agree.
0: So he, he, you know, the emotions I think sometimes get the best of him. But I understand where he's coming from. This man was robbed. I mean, he he was. I I, we we know that without the the censoring of the Hunter Biden laptop, that people said that they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known this.
5: Right. We don't. so,
0: So Trump was robbed. So I get it. I understand it. But here's the thing that I think is so maddening. I just don't think anyone will be brought to justice with this. The Republicans say they're going to they're gonna interview everyone at Twitter who had anything to do with this, you know, uh Vijaya Ghati is one who's who's gonna be sitting in front of them. I just think that the deep state slow walks like they usually right. do, they don't get papers and they're gonna do everything they can to obstruct any kind of investigation and nothing changes.
5: You know, what kills me was in the Friday night disclosures, the original Twitter thread from Matt Taibbi. There's all these emails saying, "You can't block the post." Oh my God, this is there. You the, the the feds, the federal government. This is the last straw. Congress is going to do something. You've crossed the Rubicon. This is this is beyond the pale. And then nothing happened for two years. Right. Uh, absolutely nothing happened in from the federal level after the Hunter Biden laptop imbroglio at Twitter. I recall maybe Jack Dorsey and a couple of executives coming in you know, to Congress, and Ted Cruz was yelling at them. But other than that, I don't see any action that was ever taken by Congress. Now, obviously, Republicans will control the House. So we're going to have new investigations, and Kevin McCarthy says he's going to open it up to Google and Facebook as well. Fine, sure, haul in the executives, make them testify. But at the end of the day, I also want to see what actionable steps can be taken, not just creating moments for YouTube.
0: Right. And that that's what I think that's what just makes one of the reasons I am such a pessimist, is because I've looked at past performance, you know, and I'm like, I know how this is going to go. One of the things Elon Musk said in the Twitter space was that there are more smoking guns to come and you had said he's going to drip this stuff out. Do you have any idea of what he's talking about, what he has, what he's going to release? Is it more about Hunter Biden or do you think there are other issues that we don't know about at Twitter?
5: I think there probably are other issues we don't know about at Twitter. It, it goes into the we don't know what we don't know space. But the biggest issue that we are currently talking about that we do know about is what was the FBI's involvement with Twitter in the weeks and months leading up to the New York Post's publication of the Hunter Biden.
0: Lapid. You know, Ro Khanna is the one, one shining light in this yes. whole thing as a Democrat, came out and said, wait a minute, this is wrong. You're censoring free speech here. We shouldn't be doing this. And I have to give him credit, you know, uh, credit where credit is due. And, And he did that, but he didn't do any more. He just said, I don't think this is a good idea, but he didn't rat them out either.
5: Right, right. I mean, he the emails make him look, you know, fantastic. He's he he has this very Jimmy Stewart type quality of like, you know, Miss Gade, you know. This is you're against the spirit of Times v Sullivan, the Supreme Court decision that, you know, guaranteed the rights of the press. He really made a very eloquent defense of the De Post's decision to publish this story and and it's right to exist and be, be read by the American people. And Gade kind of just blows him off and she's like, you know, We have a very clear policy, Congressman. Thank you for the email. Um, But you're right. He... Did nothing. I don't know that he was in a position to do much. You know, he he's not the most no. senior member of Congress. And
0: true, but he probably could have been he, a little bit more he, vocal. He, he
5: could have been vocal. He could have spoken yeah. out in a way that he certainly did not.
0: Yeah, Jonathan Levine from the New York Post. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Levine Jonathan. So just flip the names and follow him on Twitter. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me. I'm Mary Walter, in for Brian Kilmeade.
1: News radio studios in midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmead.
0: Hey, welcome to the Brian Kilmead show. Yes, I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. And I don't know if you know this, but it's like a really big news day. We had a big news weekend, which rarely happens when there's a news dump on a Friday, usually dies over the weekend. But despite the mainstream media's best efforts to the contrary, there's still a big story going on today. So let's get right into it, shall we? Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, joins us. Michael, great to
6: talk to you. Thank
0: you for joining me.
6: Always a pleasure, Mary. Thank you.
0: So you have a piece out on, of course, what happened this weekend with the FBI, big tech and big media, and you call it collusion. You say there are partners in collusion. Obviously, for those who don't know, we're referencing the uh, Twitter dump, Elon Musk dumping the Twitter files all about how Twitter uh, colluded with the government, if you want to use that word as you do, to censor the Hunter Biden laptop news before an election.
6: Yes, and uh, let, let's break them down w- one at a time, uh, the government, uh, the, the media, and big tech. I think that the, some of the best reporting on what the government has been up to in terms of what it calls disinformation but is really a form of censorship uh, comes from the, uh, the um, a couple of reporters at The Intercept, uh, one of them, uh, Ken Lang, I believe, and... Um, Uh, they've done some really good work on what the Department of Homeland Security has been doing. Remember the disinformation bureau that uh, came and went so quickly, but apparently it didn't go away. Uh, It just got another name and another leader, and it it probably even pre-existed the the public rollout a few months ago. And so you have this uh, effort by the government to police social media uh, to to talk to social media, as we see in the Hunter Biden case, the FBI having weekly meetings uh, with the uh, FBI or the FBI having weekly meetings with the social media in San Francisco. This also came out of the Intercept reporting. There's a a trial going on uh, in San Francisco about uh, actually I correct it's not in San Francisco I don't believe but the FBI according to testimony in the in the case from an FBI agent the FBI held these weekly meetings and and so as um, Andrew McCarthy points out in the post today you don't need to put it in writing if you have a meeting and you know with a former FBI general counsel James Baker working at Twitter in effectively the same position, you don't need to put it in writing. All you need to do is for the FBI agents to call Baker and say, hey, hey Jim, uh, how's life in the free market? Uh, anyway, here's, th- here's some things you should watch out for. Nothing has to be in writing. But I think that th- there is a pervasive effort that is only— we've only seen the tip of it so far about the government. Then, of course, there's the big tech angle. Big tech, the Twitter, all the Facebook— All the social media companies are more than eager to to go along and censor whatever the government wants, because this is the deep state. These are Democrats, far left Democrats. And there's a wonderful video online of this guy, Yale Roth, who was the chief enforcement and uh, content moderation officer at at, uh, Twitter before Elon Musk fired him. He is talking about uh, the Babylon Bee, which is a satire site, satire, Christian-based satire, and how it harms people. They misgender people. Uh, It's dangerous. I mean, this, this kind of talk... That is from another planet. This is not the way normal people talk, and yet they have immense power over what people see and hear. And then finally, I would just say the media aspect of this, the way that The New York Times, The Washington Post and others refused to touch the Hunter Biden case in 2020 was clearly part of this triangle of, of collusion they probably the new york times the washington post they're very close to the fbi uh, and they probably got the same warnings that twitter and facebook did don't touch this this is russian disinformation so you have the media complicit in this as well it's a very potent force when you line up this 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 collusion of big tech the government specifically the fbi And the big media organizations, that's a tough nut to crack. That's a potent force that aims to control discourse in American life. I mean, it is an extraordinary development. I don't know that we've ever seen anything quite like it in our history.
0: You know, I've seen all different points of view, obviously, but one of the things I keep saying seeing is that, um, well, there's no proof of Biden campaign involvement in this. There's no proof that the Biden campaign, you know, contacted them to swing the election in his favor. Do we know if there are any, any, any specific correspondence with the Biden campaign?
6: Well, um, the Friday uh, release that uh, Elon Musk did from Twitter files through a uh, journalist named Matt Taibbi uh, did show that there were requests, particularly from the Biden campaign in 2020, you know, about problematic posts on Twitter. Now, there was also apparently some, according to Taibbi, requests from the Trump campaign. Is that, yeah, but as he puts it, it's not the same. Level when you have 99% of the contributions from t- Twitter employees going to Biden. Uh, so th- that the Biden folks got direct attention, quick response. Anytime they flagged a tweet, it was taken down or shadow banned, meaning limited in its exposure. So, yes, there was efforts by the Biden administration uh, to shape what was on Twitter during the campaign. And the biggest thing of all, of course, was the post uh, exclusives at the time on the laptop. And that was shut down for two weeks, two weeks during the, the final stretch run of the election at a time when many people were already voting under early voting and absentee voting. And so there have been polls showing that uh, many people said they weren't aware of it. And one poll in particular said 8% of Biden's voters said they would not have voted for him if they knew that he was involved in his son's corrupt businesses, 8%. So, all of the attempts to shut that story down, I believe you can make a case it swung the election that Donald Trump would have won absent this impediment to uh, spreading the news that the that the post had uncovered
0: now you you mentioned the uh conversation that there was testimony in this trial that uh someone from the fbi was meeting the fbi members were meeting weekly i mean it started out with every now and then then it went to every month and then it became weekly it got more intense leading up to the election do we have names of specific fbi agents who were meeting with twitter
6: um I, I suppose we probably do. Um, this trial is continuing, and uh, the fact that it was a weekly meeting came from an agent in testimony uh, who was supervising. There is a name. I'm sorry I don't have it handy. Um, but I would just wanted to add one thing, Mary, to, to this story. Remember, these are the same people who did something similar in 2016 during the yes. presidential election. It was a spying on Trump with the complicity of the uh, big, big tech organizations. And the flames were being fanned by the media. They were getting these leaks and reporting it as though there was certainty that Trump was a Russian agent. And you had the FBI spreading. I mean, the FBI was sat on the steel dossier and never... Disavowed it, used it in court to get FISA warrants to spy. So you really, I think, have to see these two elections uh, together. That the same three elements have been working together to shape American voters' knowledge. So this is this is not a threat to democracy. This is already destroying democracy. They they are have been at work now. For six
0: years, at least. Absolutely. And I, you you make that point in this piece about, you know, this has been going on. It's, it's a great piece in the New York Post. But so I let me ask you about the collusion, because you're one of the few people who came out and said, you know, flat out collusion. And you lay out why it is flat out collusion, because that's the, that is the narrative that is trying to counter this dump, is that, oh, well, you know, it wasn't collusion. They thought it was hacked material, which we know the FBI knew it wasn't hacked. Uh, Did the Twitter, did the people at Twitter, though, know that it wasn't hacked material? Do they get off by saying, off the hook by saying, well, the FBI told us this was hacked material, so we believed them?
6: Uh, No, that doesn't absolve Twitter, because when you read the emails that were internal emails that Elon Musk released, uh, there is doubt that they have no reason to believe it's hacked. They, they say, we don't know that. Uh, and others say, it's a pretty weak argument, but it's all we have. Uh, in other words, they are doubting their own justification, but right. they go ahead and do it anyway, because the former FBI lawyer, who's now a Twitter lawyer, says, well, until we know for sure, caution is warranted. Right. Yeah, we'll take it down and then we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll take it down at a crucial time, um, but uh, I, I do I do think it's important too to note that uh, this twenty sixteen thing that happened, you know, with the same the same crew, the same group of people. Uh, th- this is a pattern that I think the American public has to come to grips with. That this continues, for example. The FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop in the the late fall of 2019. So we're talking about the late fall of 2020 when the Post breaks the story. Now, the FBI had the laptop for nearly a year at that point. Why would they call it hacked material? They would have to have known that it was straight from the laptop. Now, so I don't think it's an innocent or even a matter of excessive caution for the FBI to say it's hacked material, could be hacked material. They should know by that point, if they're doing a serious investigation of Hunter Biden, That this material that the Post published was, in fact, on the laptop, that the laptop belonged to Hunter Biden. They had spoken numerous times to the owner of the repair shop. He gave them the laptop. They knew what was on it.
7: So before
6: before I run out of time,
0: before I run out of time, I I just want to get this in here. Uh, As far as accountability, I I personally don't think we're going to see an accountability. Maybe some low level employee. We usually hear that cuts a deal and they get, you know, a slap on the wrist and off they go. (laughs) And, And that's it. Right. You know, nothing's going to happen. What about the 51 former intelligence officers who signed the letter saying the laptop had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation? I, I, I could they ever be held accountable for that or because they get off scot-free on that one, because I think down in the letter somewhere they say, it, you know, we think it has all the earmarks and caution. Like, they kind of covered their butts with that.
6: Yeah, they, they never saw it. They admitted they never saw it. So why would you lend your voice to this? Look, the, the, this was this was another Democratic operation. This was, a, and uh, subsidized by the FBI. I believe the FBI wanted this letter out. When you look at the timeline, the Post breaks uh, the news of the laptop. I believe it's something like Wednesday, October 14th. To, uh, don't correct, uh, don't hold me to the mm-hmm. exact date, but that's about right. right. This letter comes out about the 19th. The New York Times does a story trying to knock down the post story on, I believe it is the 18th. So within this short period, you have and there's a presidential debate, I believe, on the 20th. So within this short period of October of 2020, during the presidential election, you have all this movement, and this story uh, has a great potential to upend the election, because it's not about Hunter Biden, it's about Joe Biden right. And Tony Bobolinsky with the big guy and his 10% secret right. cut. Um, and so I think what you have is a rush to shut this down before it can uh, change the election results, before, before Trump can win. That's what this is all about, is about electing Joe Biden and stopping Donald Trump. So you have, you have big tech, big media, you have the FBI, you have these former uh, CIA mm-hmm. leaders all of them piling in, piling in to stop the election of Donald Trump, the reelection. That that is a very significant event in American history, and oh. we are now here. We are two more than two years later, still learning key details, and there's much we still don't know. Mary, I know you've got to go, but just say quickly about about uh, the FBI effort. Was it a rogue operation or was it run from the top? What else did it do? Did it alert the media? How much, did it, how much of a role did the FBI itself play? Who organized yeah. it?
0: Yeah, and, and and those are all great questions, and sadly, and we do have to run here, is, you know, you, you wisely know this has been ongoing since the 2016 election, and they just ramped it up in order to prevent Donald Trump from being elected, and I think they did it because they had no fear, because they know nothing's going to happen. No yeah, one well. is going to to be dinged for this. No one's going to jail over this. If past you- past performance is future prologue, no one's going to, to to have their career ruined or their lives ruined over this. And that's well, something let's see. that so, it's, so far
6: you're right. Um, but uh, I think I think the, Leon, uh, the Elon Musk uh, event, it, it could be a turning point.
7: Well, uh, from, I,
6: I hope so. In and in I've,
0: I've got to run. I'm so sorry, Michael. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you can check out Michael's article in the New York Post. And uh, thank you. I, he's always so informative when I get to talk to him. I'm Mary Walter and more is coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There is a long-running
8: theme through Republican politics right now that big tech has censored conservatives. Uh, The term shadow banning, Uh, all these things that people talk about how uh, free speech from just conservatives has has been muzzled, and I think they're going to use this, whether or not it actually shows anything of that. What I think what it does show is that Twitter had a much had a close relationship with Democrats, much closer relationship than with Republicans, and that is enough. That is enough to have Republicans say, "Aha! I, I, this is exactly what we have been talking about. Um, we we have been cast aside. People are, are are censoring our speech."
0: So that was MSNBC analyst Brendan Buck. Uh, on with uh, MSNBC anchor Lindsay Riser on Saturday, uh, talking about this uh, the the dump the Twitter dump. And I did say earlier that uh, that nobody was talking about it, but I did see one show on CNN that talked about it. So obviously MSNBC spoke about it as well. I didn't see it, but notice what the angle was. Oh, this is just Republicans now can say, oh look, we were right, you were wrong, and just poo poo it. And you can see that they're they're stepping away from this because. I think, I don't know, I don't know if they actually realize that they were just as complicit as Elon Musk pointed out, that they're just as complicit as everybody else when it comes to this as the censoring. All right, there's a lot more of this. and I'm going to take your calls coming up 866-408-7669 on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. So happy to be with you. Uh, The number is 866-408-7669. Talking about the Twitter files that were dumped over the weekend and the Twitter space that uh, Elon Musk held over the weekend as well. And I just want to get your thoughts on it. Do you think anything is going to come of this? And you know, everybody is is all excited, but I don't know if anything comes of this if if I had to if I had to guess. Also, I wanted to tell you that I, I do have a podcast. You can catch me on Tuesdays and Thursdays, live on YouTube and get her. Just search for Mary Walter Radio on either one of those, and also the audio is on uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify as well. Again, just search for Mary Walter Radio, and you can join me there. Now, this I want to share this with you, and then I'll get to your calls, 866-408-7669. On Face the Nation, Eric Holder was on, and I want you to hear what Eric Holder has to say here, because I think this signals something uh, big. So just, just listen to, to what he has to say, and then I'll tell you what I think.
4: The defendant should not be treated any more harshly because of who he is, who he is related to, should not be given breaks because of who he is or who he is related to. He should be treated as former President Trump, should be treated just like any other American citizen. If there is culpability, that person should be held um, liable for his or her acts. And if there is not a basis for a case, a case um, should not be brought.
0: All right, Eric Holder on Face the Nation say, saying that Hunter Biden and Donald Trump should be treated just like any other American citizen. Not they shouldn't get be given breaks of who he is or who he is related to. I'm telling you, they're getting ready to boot Joe. They are not running him in 24. If they allow this to go forward, if Democrats... Um, if, if something actually comes of this, which honestly, I don't have high hopes for, but if something does come of this, it only happens because the uh, Democrats have decided it's time to let go of Joe. It's time to get rid of Joe Biden. They got what they wanted. They swung the election. They got what they wanted. They, they, they got the power. They held, They got both houses. So they're fine. That they. It doesn't matter. And, and he's the sacrificial lamb and they will dump him in a heartbeat. Same thing that they're going to do to Fetterman. So when I heard when I heard that, I was like, "Wait, Eric Holder, not taking a stand, not being a partisan. Wait, what? what when did this happen?" So I, I think if you if you watch, this is the beginning of you know we're not back in Joe in twenty four. I don't know who they're going to back. My hunch is Pete Buttigieg, but they are not. Backing Joe. You can disagree with me. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, 408 And I'm curious to find out if you're as pessimistic as I am, because I'm so pessimistic that anything is going to come of this. This is, to me, is going to be like the Durham report. It's going to go on forever. The FBI is going to stall. They're not going to produce papers to a Republican Congress. They're going to try to hold off and stretch this out for two years till they get to the next election. That's what they're going to try to do here. And I just don't think that we are going to be satisfied. I just don't. We already know that if you or I did what Hunter Biden's done so far, we'd be in jail by now and we wouldn't be at a state dinner for the president of France because, you know, because daddy invited me and they think of the optics of that. Oh, my. They invited Hunter Biden to a state dinner with the president of France. Nobody thought of saying, you know, this may not be really good. Like this, this is probably just not a good look, but I think Joe is just so invested in. I, 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 I just think that there's such a blind spot when it comes to Hunter and and the Biden family and the administration in general, 866-408-7669. All right, let's go to Georgia bill listening on WVGA bill. You're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi.
9: Hi, can you hear me?
0: I sure can. Go ahead.
9: All right. Um, this First Amendment right that the the government is not supposed to be influencing things, and they're not supposed to be you know twisting the the information. But if they put out something to a private agency, uh, an independent company, then the independent company is not under the privacy or the uh, First Amendment. Right. So, but if I asked you to rob a bank for me and I never stepped foot in the bank and you got caught, I'm still, I'm still liable as well because I caused you to do that because I paid you or I threatened you or I did something cause you to, to do that in my behalf. So it has happened before when somebody has done something as a government agent and then was held liable for the result because they were they didn't fall under the I'm a private company deal because they were becoming an agent of the government. And so I guess-
0: true, I agree with all that but let me ask so do, do you think though that Anybody's going to be held responsible for anything here, for violating the rights of Americans and influencing the outcome of an election.
9: Well, there you go. That's the the problem. Are we going to make people who are responsible liable for their actions? To influence an election, I feel like, is treason. We have had people hung for treason. Of course, we don't do that today. But uh, I don't think it would be a bad thing to bring it back. Uh, People get hung at the town square. By golly, that might influence some other folks around. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it, it might but I, I i do think that's just a bridge too far for me but uh but i i think you know treason should be if it if someone commits a treasonous act they should be held to that standard because if they were a republican or a conservative they would be held to that standard we know that there is a double standard when it comes to justice in this country this here is just the tip of the iceberg from what we're seeing bill thank you for joining me and have a phenomenal day appreciate it yeah who's the guy who who was uh convicted of stealing a bottle of bourbon and a, a stand of some kind of electric from the from the capitol right he's doing three years there are people who take th- hundreds of thousands of dollars out of stores in, in in our major cities who who are still walking the street because they're not even charged uh, the double standard is insane uh let's head to let's go to Vermont Burlington Chris on WVMT you're on the Brian Kilmead show hi.
10: Hi. Hello. Uh, Just my comment on all of this is we are a nation of a rule of law or we aren't, okay? So if – you know, there's a lot of speculation ever since the 24-hour news cycle started. That's all it is, is speculation. Well, not all, but most of it is speculation anymore. And the speculation – Repeated enough, ends up being reality to some people, and that's unfortunate. If Hunter did something that was outside the law, fine. Prove it. Convict him. If uh, if you want to say there was collusion, I kind of have to accent the last guy, the last caller there. You know, private entities can decide what content they carry or not, and I think that's a huge confusion in this country, is that people call this censorship, but it's not. Censorship is when the government shuts down your voice, not a private entity deciding whether or not, you know, what to publish on their public platform. And by the way, you sign an agreement when you get on any of these platforms to abide by their rules, okay? Again, we are a nation of laws, and thank God, God Almighty, that so far the judges in this country who have said, Where's your proof of all this, Republicans? Where's your proof? Where's your proof the election was stolen? Well, we think, or we have this, or we're going to speculate this. There's been no hard case made, and there's a good reason for that because there was no fraud. It was one of the cleanest elections in history, and in fact, spotters who watch. Elections in third world countries where it is quite dubious had to be brought in. And that was all thanks to Donald Trump and his influence. People who watch third world country elections to make sure they're clean. Have mm-hmm. to watch our election. Okay, this
0: time. Chris. First of all, you're wrong. Uh, if the government is using a private company in order to censor speech they don't like to get around the the Constitution and the First Amendment, that is a crime. That is illegal. They're not allowed to do that because the government is still censoring speech. So no. That's not the way it goes. If if they true if they were doing this at the behest of the government, that is censorship and that is a violation of the First Amendment right there. So the government's not allowed to subvert the First Amendment by going to a private company. We also have Section 230. All right. It's 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 the Communications Decency Act and it provides them they can't be treated as a publisher or speaker of information provided by a third party but here's the thing and i'm not going to go get into all of this cuz you 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 said a lot But here's the here's the other thing. They said, oh, it was hacked material. We don't know if it's true. The FBI knew it was true. The FBI had it for over a year. We know that Hunter Biden has committed crimes. We have pictures of Hunter Biden with a gun and cocaine. So how did Hunter Biden legally get a gun? Because if you he had to have lied then on his federal law, his federal gun papers in order to get a gun where you have to swear that you are, are not partaking in any kind of illegal substance. So either that or he had the gun illegally. Crime or crime. Pick your poison. Both of those are crimes. Prostitution's a crime. Cocaine is a crime. All of those things. And there are a lot more. And I'm not going to get into all the ones that we know about with Hunter Biden, but um, I don't know where you get your news, but maybe you need to broaden it just a tiny little bit. Like I watch everything. I consume everything. I consume not only Fox, but other other programs as well so that I'm not getting only one side of the stories that I am well-informed and maybe that's something you need to do as well I'm a big fan of it 866-408-7669 that is my number and I will get to more of your calls a lot of people want to talk about this on the Brian Kilmeade show
1: both sides all opinions it's Brian Kilmeade The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: All right. The big Twitter file dump. The Twitter space this weekend. Here's Miranda Devine. She was on with Tucker. uh, Miranda Devine with the New York Post. She was disappointed with it.
11: I think we've seen uh, quite a bit that's useful. It's not really the smoking gun we'd hope for. I feel that Elon Musk has held back some material. In particular, there's a tweet in which um, Matt Taibbi says, well, he hasn't seen any evidence that law enforcement specifically warned off Twitter from our story. But um, that's just not correct. I've seen a, a sworn affidavit from Joel Roth, the former head of Twitter's Trust and Safety. He was meeting every week before the election with... Uh, FBI and other intelligence officials, they warned specifically of what they called a hack and leak operation, a dump of Russian disinformation. Within hours of our story going live on October 14, 2020, three weeks before the election, it was censored. Yeah, so,
0: and I think I think people want more, but Elon Musk says there is more coming, and he even said they may have influenced elections around the world, Brazil being one of them that's a big deal all right let's talk about this shall we in fort lauderdale joe you're on the brian kilmeade show hi
12: hi good morning yeah i was just calling comment on that little audio bit uh from eric holder you know when i was listening to it the thing that stood out to me is what i heard was you know political jujitsu where he's evening the playing field and trying to lump trump in with with hunter biden sort of like they're almost the same the sound of the same Plainville because we're getting ready to charge Trump is, you know, posturing is what I heard.
0: Interesting. I did not catch that. Oh, see, this is why I love I love getting calls from from listeners because you guys are so smart. I I I didn't hear that. I took it the other way. I didn't even see it. Although I have to tell you, maybe I'm numb to it by now because I'm sure you we just keep hearing it over and over and over again. Trump's going to jail. Trump's going to jail. We got him this time. We got. It's been eight years that we've got him. We've got him. We've got him. That maybe I just don't give credence to it anymore. Yeah. Maybe be what's happening. Very interesting, Joe. Thank you so much for that. Have a great day. That was very, very astute observation. Let's head to Houston. Greg's listening on KSEV. Greg, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
12: Hi, Mary. Hey, a couple things. First of all, uh, listening to Chris, I think Chris had some good points. Uh, second of all, um, <laughs> people get due process in this country as Republicans seem to have conveniently forgot. And because... Trump uses the judicial system to slow walk the the proceedings. Doesn't mean he's not guilty. So let's give Hunter Biden due process. Guilty, uh, innocent until proven guilty. But you're trying him, so. Uh, in the public media um, well actually i'm
0: trying i'm trying twitter right now it, it just happens to be and it, honestly to me i don't care about hunter biden i care about the big guy and the 10 percent for the big guy that's what i care about i want to know how compromised our president is how beholding is our president to china right now how beholding is our president to russia how beholding is our president to ukraine because if if what we, what is in those emails is correct and the fbi knows whether it is or it isn't but yet they sat on it and they did their best to get rid of it we don't we don't we don't have those answers and we should have those answers so i'm with you 100 let's have some due process let's not have the fbi obstructing uh the uh, the laptop and the information in it let's 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 find out how compromised or if our president is compromised but that's not going to happen because you want to talk slow walk the FBI is going to slow walk anything that the Republicans try to get their hands on, and they're going to prevent the Republicans from getting their hands on it. Look what Joe Biden did when he came into office with SARS, suspicious activity reports for bank accounts. The Biden family has over 100. There's something like 150 and it, it's somewhere in that area. SARS, suspicious activity reports on bank accounts connected to the Biden family. Nothing happened. Now, Congress normally can see those suspicious activity reports. When Joe Biden came into office, he changed that. They can't. Why? So let's get some answers. I agree with you 100%. Let's get some answers. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine 408 in St. Louis. Claire on FM News Talk one. Claire, you're on the, on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. Uh, My point is you've had a couple callers say, oh, it's not, you know, censorship from the government. It's from a private company. And my point is I'm pretty sure they're receiving taxpayer dollars so that we can't sue them. So you can't really say Twitter is not sort of in bed with the government anyways. And then if this whole media cartel bill gets passed, that's going to get even worse. These big tech companies are an arm of the government. They're becoming an arm of the government. And I would like to know how much of the COVID info was censored. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that too. That That's another thing, COVID. You know, and that's kind of being pushed to the back burner. Dr. Fauci right now is like, woohoo, go after Hunter. <laughs> because he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to be questioned. But you're right. How much of that, there was so much that was censored uh, about COVID that we weren't allowed to know. And this idea of, oh, well, you know, it's okay, they're, they're not an arm of the government, but they're not government, so the government's not censoring. But again, as I said before, if the government is subverting, is getting around, circumventing the First Amendment and the Constitution by getting a private company to do their dirty work for them, that's still illegal. They're not allowed to do that. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I I do watch Fox, and I heard that from several lawyers on Fox this weekend, that that is a violation of the Constitution. So we need to be paying attention to that as well. Oh, great calls, great comments. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: I'm Harry Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. How do I follow that? <laughs> it's great to be with you. Welcome to the show. Um, let's let's. There's a lot going on this weekend. You know that the whole Twitter thing. Let's take a little bit of a break for that because the other thing that's going on is um, the flu is back. But apparently COVID is is up up again too because it's getting colder out, so people are getting more respiratory viruses. We're inside more. I get it, but um. As you look at places like L.A. starting to go back to mask mandates, we're starting to learn more about what the last shutdown did, especially with our kids and our teenagers. Tom Kirsting is a family therapist. He's the author of Disconnected, but he has a new book out called Raising Healthy Teenagers. It comes out this February. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Kirsting, K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G. Tom, thank you for joining me.
8: Thank you, Mary. Pleasure to be on.
0: Now, there a, a new study has come out from Stanford, because now what we did was lockdown first, and then we'll figure out how bad it's going to be later, which I'm pretty sure that's not the order in which things are supposed to be done. But we're finding out now, and this is the latest study, that these lockdowns harmed our children in ways that I thought we never probably ever thought possible. What did this Stanford study find?
8: Yeah, so You know, I actually posted that. Uh, I guess it was like towards the end of last week. I saw that. I mean, I already know. We all know that the you know, the mental health epidemic has skyrocketed you know, since covid shutdowns. It was happening since 2012 when smartphones when smartphones first came out. But this new study now shows, um, you know, they did some brain images and it shows that, you know, kids that uh, went under these brain scans uh, after lockdowns, it shows that their brains actually aged. Almost like, a, you know, naturally, as we, as we age chronolog- chronologically, our brain changes and it ages. Um, you know, so that's indicative of some form of trauma, adversity, and so forth. And we know that the lockdowns and COVID and all that stuff, you know, absolutely created that.
0: Well, okay. So their brains aged, but does that make them more mature? Maybe I feel I'm embarrassed to ask this question. Is this a dumb question to ask? Does it make them more mature at an earlier age then?
8: Well, I think, you know, when I was looking through the study, I actually read the study. You know, what brain age means when they do these, you know, these image scans, it's almost like if you think of an older person, how your muscles age, that's not really a good thing. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, images that are given to people in their 70s and 80s, certain things happen in the brain that are indicative of, you know, potential dementia. So we're looking at at it from that perspective, how it's having – you know, a negative impact. You don't want that brain age, that kind of brain age. It's different than maturity. This is actually physical brain age.
0: Okay, so what, What? so I can understand this because I read it. I didn't read the study, but, uh, but I, I read the piece, and Okay so what their so their brains then instead of being the, a 16-year-old's brain they may have like a 20-year-old's brain or a 25-year-old's brain and then we don't will that go back? We don't know if that goes back, right? Like we don't know if their brains are going to recover from this, correct?
8: Right, right. I did a little more research on it. So like the change is there's an area, you know, in the uh, cer- cerebral cortex. So the scans showed a thinning in that part of the brains for these kids, you know, post-COVID. Uh, versus kids that they did scans on before COVID. Um, now, some other research I did shows that you know if you have this sort of advanced uh, brain aging, it is something that you know you could that is reversible. And you know, uh, you know, what some of the experts are saying is that the best way to kind of kind of bring that back to you know chronological age is uh, physical exercise, obviously, uh, meditating. You know, things like that. And, you know, I wrote, you know, the book about screen time and how that's, you know, really just kind of stripping kids eight or nine hours a day, you know, sort of away from themselves. So what I want parents to do that are listening is to, is to really, you know, teach your kids how to be present, to be in the now, teach them how to meditate, go deep within themselves. It's something I preach at all my lectures and so forth. Um, I, I think that is going to be a critical thing with, you know, coming back to planet Earth, I call it
0: because yeah, our kids with the advent of social media and cell phones have become so sedentary they're all fat they're and yeah. and we celebrate it we're like no it's body positive i'm like no your kids your kids obese that's just not body it's not healthy it's just not body positive i don't <laughs> buy any of that body positive stuff well, sorry if you're you know, insulted my... but that i don't care you know unhealthy uh, that, is unhealthy uh, yeah,
8: I agree with you. Actually, my next book, Raising Healthy Teenagers, I go into that in one of the chapters about childhood obesity. It's probably the number one epidemic right now. I mean, our kids are faced with like one epidemic after the next. And, you know, this obesity component is from being sedentary, being in front of screens, and, and you know, therefore not moving and being active. And, and furthermore, you know, the fast food industry, um, they now market directly through social media, whereas in the past it was, you know, mostly radio and television. But they're directing it right where our kids are you know, subconsciously getting these cravings and so forth into their minds as they're sitting in front of their screens.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm very interested in this aging of the brain because I've noticed that I don't think anyone under the age of about 40 has not been diagnosed with depression and or anxiety and a lot of them self diagnose But if you ever watch any of these shows that are on TV, these quote unquote reality shows everybody's got a therapist. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody is depressed. Everybody's on some sort of medication. And what they call anxiety as if it's a clinical disability, when we were growing up, it was just called having a bad day and you got over it and you started again tomorrow.
8: Yeah. You know, you hear the term, my anxiety as a therapist. I hear that all the time. People come in like, yeah, well, my anxiety. And I'm like, well, your anxiety is normal. We all have some form of anxiety. It's part of being a human being. It doesn't mean that, you know, when you're at a point where, where anxiety is crippling and you can't function, you can't get up, you can't go to work, you can't go to school, Yeah, then we have a problem. But normal, everyday things like, you know, a kid didn't do well on a test and it's triggering some stress, that's normal. And we have to kind of understand that. But to your point, Mary, it's like. You know, it's sort of become like this, almost like a, a glorified thing where everybody's now, you know, partaking in this. I have this and I have that. And you hear people saying, oh, he's so bipolar. Like, that's sounds like an adjective. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, whereas bipolar disorder is like an actual, you know, pretty significant mental health condition.
0: Yeah, they're, thing, it, you're we, right. It, it's almost celebrated. And I, I don't know where that comes from, but maybe because we have a, a you know, a victimhood mentality. Yeah. For for a lot of people, and listen, if your kid has some kind of disability, it's a lot easier for them. They they get unlimited yeah, like- times to take tests. A lot of times, they get extra, you know, accommodations for this and that and everything else. So your kid has it easier than the poor kid who's just dealing with life like they should be, who has can't take the test. Take can't take four hours to take a test. They only get thirty minutes to to take a test. Mm-hmm. So yeah. those types of things, I think we, we encourage it. Now, listen, are there some kids who absolutely have, you know, uh, some kind of diagnosable uh, disability? Sure. But then I love mm-hmm. when they tell me I can't call it a disability. I'm like, well, if you need special accommodations because you're disabled, it's a
8: disability, right? Yeah, yeah or an impairment, you know, under Section 504, they call it. But real quick, you know, I just want to go over a couple of things, uh, some other data that I collected that I that's actually in the next book that I just wrote. Oh, yeah, please about- do. About yeah. So, from here's some statistics people don't know about. So, between February and March of 2021, right in the middle of these lockdowns, um, suicide attempts among girls between 12 and 17 went up 51% when compared oh. to 2019 numbers. All right. Um, children between the ages of 5 and 11 in that, t- that same time frame, um, emergency department visits for mental health emergencies rose 24%, and it rose 31% for kids between the ages of 12 and 17.
0: That that's just so sad. So p- for parents listening to this, obviously, your, your book comes out in February. The, the book is Raising Healthy Teenagers. So I'm sure there are a lot of answers in there. But I guess my question is, why? Why did the lockdown do that to them? Because I look at some of the younger kids, you know, nieces, nephews, neighbors, kids and everything like that. They could be sitting next to each other and they text each other. They don't talk. So the, if any generation was equipped for no social interaction, it should have been this generation. What went
8: wrong? Yeah, so so here's what happened. You know, yes, all these things were, were were happening before you know the COVID lockdowns. But during the lockdowns, now imagine you're a kid, right? And you're in a routine. You get up, you go to school, you go to practice. You know, you hang out with your friends. Yeah, you're on your screens and so forth. And now all of a sudden, your entire life is in your bedroom. You sleep in your bedroom. You go to school in your bedroom. You can't have any human contact with friends. If you do, you have to have a mask on and you are socially distanced. That's not how we're wired as human beings. We're Through evolution, we are social, emotional beings. That's our natural habitat. And if any mammal is taken out of their natural habitat, things go awry. And that's how I look at it. That's why we've had such a triggered, you know, level of anxiety, depression, and all the other data that I just pointed out to you.
0: I longed for the days when I didn't know the word triggered other than in gun terms. I (laughs) longed for those days. Uh, everybody's trigger. So. I'm sorry, but that's trigger. And they have they talk that way to each other. I'm sorry, but this conversation's triggering me. I have to go now. I'm like, what? I don't understand how you're triggered. You're uncomfortable, and they walk away. Um, I, I very quickly want to go into because there is a a teen named. Chloe Cole, and she's getting a lot of publicity right now. She's in the news. She has a message. You know, she, at the age of 12, told her parents that she was distressed with her gender and she wanted to transition from female to male. And her parents saw professional help. And mm-hmm. she said, once she got into the medical system, she was just like fast-tracked through. She's on puberty blockers and testosterone at 13 years old. She wound up having uh, a double mastectomy at 15 And then at sixteen years old came out of it and said, Oh yeah, I want to be a girl now. And so she's suing the doctors. Um parents, can you I, I can't imagine and I'll get to this quickly, I just can't imagine being a parent and fearing that your kid who's being exposed to all of this in school is gonna come home one day and say, you know, guess what, Dad, I feel like a woman.
8: Yeah, I have to you know, I gotta be honest with you, I've seen this, you know, over and over again. And um you know, the, the you know, what, it is what it is. But you know, the thing that's really troubling for me, and I think to you as well, is that you, if you have somebody that's 12 years old, they are not cognitively developed. You know, that part of the brain, that frontal cortex, that's responsible for impulsivity, decision making, all that stuff. You know, isn't fully developed, developed until like somewhere between 20 and 23 and 25 years old. So the ability, the, the the ability for a 12 year old to make that kind of a decision, they don't have that ability. All right. Nice. So parents, you know, and and the problem is if you try to, you know. If you say something against it, you're, you know, you're called anti-this or anti-that. And uh, now it's troubling. I mean, I'm sure this look what happened to this girl. She just you know did all these things to her body. She matured, and now she's thinking differently and, and probably has some substantial
7: regrets.
0: Yeah, she said, I don't know if I'll ever be able to have children. But what's interesting is she's, she's suing the doctors, and I think that that's an easy out. I think we need to educate parents when it comes to this, and maybe we should have a class on learning to say no.
8: Yeah, no, I know, I know. The thing is, we're just up against, uh, you know, the a, a, a larger messaging. I think, you know, and um, you know, if you try to bring this up and have a, you know, a, a conversation about it, that kind of goes against some other people's beliefs. Now you're either shut down or cancelled, or people are out to get you. And we do. We have to have a, a larger conversation about this topic.
0: Yeah, it it is so scary and I just wanted to to talk about that. So this this book if you're listening to this conversation and this sounds frightening to you. <laughs> the book comes out in February raising healthy teenagers. I it's it's tough raising kids to begin with, but I think a minefield has been created with this um nationalization of education and this idea that, you know, parents we know better than you, which has developed in last maybe like the last 15 or so years and has really been on steroids in the last five years or so parents are starting to wake up which is good but unfortunately they've got a lot, a lot of ground to cover to i think reverse some of the damage that's been done tom kirsting thank you for joining me
8: my pleasure mary have a great one all right take care
0: thank you you too the book healthy teenagers as i says comes out this february by family therapist and author tom kirsting let's talk a little covid coming up on the brian Kilmeade Show.
1: The Brian Kilmeade Show. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. More Brian Kilmeade coming up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
0: I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. 866-408-7669 is my number. I just want to talk about COVID a little bit here, and then um, I can go back to calls about uh, Twitter and everything that was released and the discussions that are happening and and, and all of that. Just just quickly, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy Uh, did say that um, he wants when it it comes to COVID, he wants the military's vaccine mandate to be lifted. And he said, if it's not lifted, then the National Defense Authorization Act is not going to move forward. He said, we're working through the NDAA. We will secure lifting that vaccine mandate on our military through that NDAA through the national defense authorization act. So what we're finding is they're kicking out men and women that have been serving. That's the first victory of having a Republican majority. And we'd like to have more of these victories and we should start moving those now. And he was on with Maria Bartiromo on Sunday morning Futures saying that now the white house had said, they said on Saturday that the administration is considering repealing that COVID-19 vaccine mandate after they met with Kevin McCarthy uh the secretary of defense has recommended retaining the mandate but the president supports mccarthy's position to lift the mandate so discussions about the ndaa are ongoing so you you can't i mean our military is just being gutted by this you know it's kind of like the uh the airlines all these flights are delayed and canceled remember all the havoc it's it's kind of gotten back a little bit more now but the insanity of all of that well they they fired a bunch of pilots, a bunch of of, of um, airline personnel, people who work on the tarmac, people who work in the plane, the, you know, the stewards and, and baggage handlers, they fire all these people because they won't get the vaccine. And then they can't understand why they have to keep canceling flights because they don't have enough people. How did you not see this coming? It's maddening to me. Now, something very interesting that I wanted to share here very quickly. There's new data from the CDC, and it highlighted a trend that suggests now that the greater share of COVID 19 deaths this winter will be among the vaccinated and the boosted. The Kaiser Family Foundation issued a report analyzing recent CDC data. Now, it does ex- part that excludes the partially vaccinated, so people only who have not had a booster, so it takes them out of it but according to the report, the share of COVID-19 deaths among those who are vaccinated has risen in fall of 2021, about three in 10 adults died of dying of COVID were vaccinated or boosted by January. It was four in 10 by April of 22. It's six in 10 adults of COVID dying of COVID were vaccinated or boosted. And there's a decrease in the share of deaths from the unvaccinated crowd. Now, Interesting, but take into account, at least in my brain, the people who are most likely to be vaccinated and be on their sixth booster is someone who is older, someone who is elderly, and also the um, people who have comorbidities, right? They're the ones who who should be getting vaccinated. Uh, But so they are probably also the ones who are more likely to die should they get covid but it does speak to the efficacy and the, and how long your protection from a bad case of COVID is with the vaccine. How long does that last? That may explain why these uh, numbers are going up. Uh, you've got that um, the vaccinated and boosted represented a 58% share of COVID-19 deaths in August. Almost 60% were people who were vaccinated and boosted. So interesting. All right, your calls on Twitter. The Twitter Files, the Twitter Space Talk with Elon Musk, 866-408-7669. I'll take your calls next on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
11: The FBI had come to Twitter and told them in their weekly meetings before the 2020 election to look out for a hacked materials, a hack and leak operation that they believed was going to be about Hunter Biden and it was going to come in October. So, of course, when Twitter saw our story in October about Hunter Biden, they censored it immediately using... What did they use? their new hacked materials policy that they had been uh, coerced or encouraged, uh, lobbied to modify by the FBI during those weekly meetings.
0: That was Miranda Devine on The Next Revolution with Steve Hilton uh, discussing, as you heard, the FBI, a government agency meeting with Twitter about censoring material that they knew was coming and they falsely portrayed it as hacked material that it was Russian disinformation when the FBI knew that that was not true. And we know that if Twitter posts something, even if it's hacked, they didn't hack it. They can post it because all of those things that were posted on the New York Times and Washington Post and everything else during the Trump administration, there was a leak every single week. So the FBI being involved in that, uh, the name James Baker keeps coming up. What's interesting. I wanted to to add this uh, also out there. Um, The Arizona secretary of state, Katie Hobbs, also, there are emails from the official AZSOS, Arizona Secretary of State.gov account, to Twitter. As, and Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State in Twitter, who's running for governor uh, at the same time, is um, in regular communication with Twitter, asking them to censor tweets. And today is the day that they are actually certifying the election in Arizona. And Carrie Lake can't sue until after the certification because of state law, the way it works there, until the election's been certified, then she can sue. But this has got to add smoke to the fire for her. Katie Hobbs and read the Secretary of State of Arizona in regular communication with Twitter, telling them who to censor. That is a violation. The government cannot censor free speech. And if they go to somebody else and tell them to a private entity to tell them to censor it, it's still a violation of your First Amendment rights. So this is a big deal. And not a lot of people are talking about that aspect of all of this. That's in there, too. Musk saying more smoking guns coming. You've got the House Oversight Committee ranking member James Comer last night saying that every Twitter employee who is involve, who involved in censoring the Hunter laptop story will testify before Congress. Maybe, and I hope they do, but I don't know if that's going to change anything. I don't know if they'll ever be punished. I don't think that things will change as far as the suppression of speech for the right. I, I don't think that that is going to change unless someone is held visibly accountable. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine is my number. Let's head to Arizona, Jesse. You are on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi.
13: Hey, Mary. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I just wanted to point something out. Uh, you know, I think we can all agree that political campaigns use the media to uh, mold the narrative, right, in their favor. Uh, but this outrage about uh, you know the government using a private entity to censor speech. I think is misguided, because at the time, Joe Biden was a private citizen. There's only one person uh, who represented the government at the time, and that was the Trump White House. That is the example of the government using a private entity to filter speech.
0: So you're saying it was the Trump White House that said uh, that that sent um, sent FBI agents to Twitter weekly to squash the Hunter Biden story.
13: No, so what I'm saying is if the argument is that it's a violation of your First Amendment right to have the government censor speech through a private platform. Yes. The, the only person guilty of that, the only people guilty of that is the Trump White House. They were the government at the time. Biden was a private citizen.
0: But we don't – first of all, Biden may have been a private citizen at the time. However, the DNC is not. So the DNC – was in touch with um, with Twitter. We know that the Biden campaign, I'm pretty sure, um, correct me if I'm wrong, so many people were involved, but I'm pretty sure we know that the Biden campaign was in touch with Twitter as well to censor certain stories. The DNC is not a private citizen. So there's that. You can't say that Trump was involved in this because Trump, let's face it, Trump's FBI, the FBI under Trump, was spying on him illegally. So to say that Trump is, it's, it's, oh, this is Trump's, you know, FBI. It wasn't, it was not Trump's FBI. This was the left's FBI because they, as I said, spying on the president illegally. So that whole it's Trump's FBI argument really falls apart because they had nothing to do with him. They were, they were sabotaging him. Let's go to uh, Bill on Long Island on WRCN. Bill, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
12: Hi, Mary. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, You know, I wanted to bring up a point with that last call said was, uh, you know, it it doesn't make any sense. You know, like you said, Mary, you brought out good points is that the FBI was being used against Trump and the DNC. Mm used its influence uh, with Twitter, and not just Twitter, Mary, with Facebook and other mm-hmm. social groups, and not just uh, those social groups. Well, they also had ties to newspapers, New York Times and other, you know, far-left, uh, mm-hmm. you know, newspaper groups. So, you know, it's pretty pretty funny. But, Mary, the main reason why I called was, uh, you know, I mean, Joe Biden openly admitted and you and I've seen it on Fox plenty of times, openly admitting shaking down Ukraine yep. and saying using his influence to say if you don't give me, you know, if you don't fire that that DA, we're not going to give you funding for you know aid.
0: Yep, quid pro. What did what does Hannity call it? Quid pro Joe.
12: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Right, so but you, see, but here's you know, the thing: a lot thing- of these
12: people don't realize. Besides that, they broke U.S. codes and nothing is being done. The U.S. Attorney's Office is not not even, you know, prosecuting its own laws on the books.
0: Right, because they hurt them. And this is where the the Justice Department has been weaponized in this country. And that has to be addressed and that has to be dealt with. But here's the thing. I just don't think the Republicans are going to do anything. I don't think they're going to get anything done. They're not fighters. A lot of them, some of them are now. Some of them have become fighters. But for the most part, they are not fighters. They're very happy to go along to get along and keep their jobs and keep getting reelected and keep the money flowing. And, you know, because of that, these things, they keep getting away with it. And I think that's what makes them so brazen. I mean, do you honestly think that Kevin McCarthy is going to do anything to punish anyone with this?
12: Harry, uh, nothing ever happened under the Ryan, uh, Republican, uh, when we own right. the house and the Senate back then, they never did anything against Hillary. So, you know, what makes, like you said, what makes you think that it is going to be, uh, done against Hunter or Joe?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the part of this that's just so maddening and so egregious. And you, you, exactly. you mentioned, and thank you so much, Bill have, have a great day. You know, Bill mentioned, Facebook and others that are also uh, suppressing stuff. I, you know, I have a group on Facebook and I'm constantly getting notices that, you know, my my group ratings like negative 10 because so many people are posting false information. And I, you know, as a moderator, I should take it down. And I look at what they're, they're, they're dinging. And I'm like, but that's true. Or that's a movie that asserts something, but you can't post that because it asserts something bad against the current regime. And, and so you, you, you can't post these things and they're clearly not afraid. They're clearly, um, not taking any kind of precautions in light of what happened with Twitter in light of this Twitter dump, because I guess they, they just think that it's never going to happen to them. Nothing is going to happen. They're so emboldened. It's, it's just absolutely maddening. Uh, here, here is, um, Kevin McCarthy. I want to go to cut ten. This is uh, Kevin McCarthy on Sunday Morning Futures, uh, talking about um, you know this this need to investigate. And like I said, I don't know if he's ever going to do it. I don't trust him.
4: What Elon Musk has been able to do. Now we know why the White House wanted to fight so strongly against him owning Twitter. All he's done is put out the truth. Now we need to start looking at Facebook, at Google. These now have become arms of the Democratic Party, arms of the Biden administration, but they also used the intel community as well to lie to the American public. Should those people keep their clearances? Should those people still be allowed to have information? If they're going to be political individuals, then no, they should not. And this is just the, the tip of the iceberg of what we need to investigate.
0: And, and I agree with him. But the problem is, is there's a lot of people sh- who shouldn't have their security clearances, but do. Now, Kevin McCarthy has talked about, you know, stripping Eric Swalwell of his security clearance and Ilhan Omar. And I forgot who the other one was, but Schiff should be stripped of his security clearance. Adam Schiff got out there and said, I'm on the committee. I get to, the intel committee. I've I've seen the un." Re- what did he call it, irrefutable proof or something of, of collusion with Donald Trump and Putin, and it's going to come out. And there was no collusion. There was no proof. But Adam Schiff got out there day after day after day and lied. Now, I understand that if you're a politician, lying is what you do. But I think when you take the lies to a point where you're lying about the president being um, involved with a foreign government and colluding, and you use that word with a foreign government, and you, you have no proof of that. I just think that that's a different level. And the Democrats would do it. So we should do it. I'm a big fan of giving the Democrats the same type of government they give us, right? I, I, I'm i a big fan of just saying, okay, Democrats, uh, you, you know, do this. They strip committees and everything else. We should do the same thing. And I know people don't like that tit for tat But maybe that's what you have to do. Somebody's got to be punished somewhere along the line. All right, more of your calls coming up, 866-408-7669. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade show.
3: You know, listen. I appreciate what uh, uh, Mr. Musk is doing here. It's it's certainly revealing an awful lot about that particular censorship. But you know, our you know Senator Grassley and my uh, investigation, Hunter Biden, was hampered uh, really uh, as soon as it started. But certainly all through 2020, when we had Democrats uh, cooperating and, and smearing us and creating false intelligence products, leaking those to the media. This, you know, there, there are, you know, I, I've lived this. I've been, you know, on the receiving end of the corruption of the smears. So there is a much, much larger story here than just what's being revealed right now with the Elon Musk's uh, uh, revelations.
0: That was Senator Ron Johnson uh, with Maria Bartiromo. Um, he's right. There's a lot more here than just Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is just... I mean, he's a troubled kid, <laughs> a troubled kid, he's not a kid. He's a, he's, he's a troubled man. And, um, you know, his laptop, though, was what really provides a glimpse into his dad and his dad's dealings with foreign countries and whether he is compromised, especially the Chinese, the Russians, and the Ukrainians, that Hunter Biden was getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars for jobs that he wasn't qualified to do. And 10% was going to the big guy. Tony Bobulinski said, "That is Joe Biden. I was Hunter Biden's partner. That's Joe Biden." But the FBI doesn't want to know about that. Ben in Indiana, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on, Mary. So, um, sure. Hey, I'm, I'm calling to address that um that comrade that called you two calls ago. He's blaming <laughs> Trump for the FBI, <laughs> blaming Trump for the yeah, he was blaming Trump for the FBI spying on his campaign. That was comical. I wish you would have had him on longer so then we could we could then hear him blame Trump for gas prices, for the inflation, for the economy. What was this guy talking about?
0: You know, I I think what happens when the when the truth comes out like this and people have been lied to for so long, I think two things happen. Either they just don't believe it because they've been lied to for so long. And that's that's all they hear when you live in a bubble like that. Or. Um, he is just trying to have some fun or he's an ideologue and just truly believes that, well, that, you know, the president owns the FBI and the, and the president owns the government. And so the government has to do whatever the president wants. That's not how it works, nor should it work in it for anybody, whether I like the president or not. Shouldn't work that way at all ben thank you for joining me don't mean to be a rude shovel you know going through these quickly but i want to get to as many calls as i can have a great day ben travis and baton rouge your turn you're on the brian kilmeade show hi
3: hey good morning mary how are you
0: good go ahead
3: good i just want to make a pose a question is, is why is the fbi solely the sole investigative agency into the hunter biden laptop if he's being if he's being questioned about uh human trafficking that's on the laptop for drug usage and firearms why is hsi not looking into that hsi has a huge part into the human trafficking investigations into in this country and atf handles all the the firearm related uh charges federally as you mentioned earlier that he lied possibly on a 4473 to obtain a firearm well that falls into the atf world not the fbi world
0: because I think it, ha- I think the FBI, and I can, so I'm can. sure someone will correct me, but we don't have a lot of time, but the FBI is like where it goes first. The evidence goes first. And then the FBI decides whether, you know, things should be, uh, they investigate, should things be referred for charges to, you know, other divisions, to other, you know, the DOJ, etc. The FBI, I, I guess, is kind of like the clearinghouse. They get it first to investigate to see if there's any there there.
3: Yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I just, could be I wrong, just, but... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just think that it's odd that there are these entities within the, the Department of Justice that focus on these, these accusations, and they're not looking into it.
0: Nope. They didn't want to look at it because they don't find what they don't want to find. There's a couple of things they don't want to find. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you joining me, Jeff. Uh, very quickly, let's go to Kathleen in Scranton. You're on the Brian Kilby Show. Hi, Kathleen.
7: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I'd like to say that which, which gets rewarded gets repeated. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, the Democrats have won by getting their way, by getting away with everything, by doing their shenanigans. If you keep rewarding them and allowing them to get away with this, just like Elon Musk's um, report about the Twitter and how censorship happens and right. how the media is censored, and how the laptop didn't come out in time. Right. Well, when he, Tony Bobolinski was on Tucker Carlson, he yes. pretty much put it out there prior, and it was October yep. prior yep. and uh, to the election, but nobody watched it.
0: Right. You know, Kathleen, you make a great point, And I love the way you said it, that, you know, if what isn't punished and, and it is rewarded will happen again and again. And that's so true. And that's the problem. Republicans don't punish. We got to run. Thank you so much. I just thought you'd find this story uh, interesting. A man in Florida, Osceola, Osceola County, uh, the sheriff's office is calling him, Brad. He tried to steal some items from Walmart. And he would have gotten away with it, they said, but unfortunately he chose to steal on the day that they were hosting a shop with a cop event with over 40 deputies who were at the store buying toys for kids. And Brad decided that was the day that he was going to rob Walmart, and so he didn't get away with it. I'm
9: Mary Walter, in for Brian.